today's talk is about exploring the deep sea with remotely operated vehicles. So my job is, I work for NOAA, as Sarah said, my job is basically to be an ocean explorer. Um, that's an oceanographer is my background, is my training. Um, for those of you that may be not familiar with NOAA, I, I bet most of you are, but it's the U.S. government agency that is in charge of understanding the weather, the oceans, helping us to manage fisheries, um, and, and a very diverse mission like that. We have satellites up in space, so really understanding um, the Earth's environment and um, helping us to make good decisions about the, the way we um, protect and preserve that environment. and. Um, protect ourselves from some of the hazards that come on living on the planet. And I'll be focusing my talk today um, on the part of NOAA that, that goes to sea and tries to understand the ocean and some of the tools we use to do that. Uh, so a lot of people are thinking, well, weren't the oceans explored a long time ago? Um, and really, the, for the deep sea, far away from um, where we live on land, it's very, very lightly explored. Not much is really, um, it's very hard to reach and obviously it's deep and dark and um, expensive to, to figure out what's down there. So um, we really are discovering new species all the time. Um, so I know when I was a kid, I used to think, well, you know, kind of everything's been discovered. There's not, not a lot new to, to learn about the planet, but that's really, really untrue, especially for the ocean. Um, pretty much every time we do um, a submersible dive in the ocean, we're discovering uh, new species or things that are really unexpected and exciting discoveries. Um, so just to put this in perspective, about 71% of the Earth is covered by ocean. That leaves only 29% as land. And of this, uh, half of the deep ocean, half of the ocean is deeper than 10,500 feet. So it's really, really deep out there. Um, it's the largest and least explored habitat on Earth. So if you think a lot of things can live in the water column, um, and that's the largest volume of, of habitable space on our planet and something we, we know very little about. Um, and really only about 10% has been mapped um, in sort of high resolution. So we, we only have really a, good per, a good map of about 10% of the seafloor. Now this is straight from Google Earth and it's kind of interesting if you rotate the Earth around in Google Earth, there's a place where you can look at the Pacific Ocean and mostly what you see is just ocean. Um, I'm pointing this out because you see a little bit of land here and there on the edges of this image, but it's really, really huge and it's vast and there's a lot to be explored out there. Um, so much work to be done and much work for future generations. So our, my office, NOAA Ocean Exploration, where you can think of us as sort of the NASA for our own planet's oceans. So our mission is to go out and explore these remote um, poorly understood places and um, have the tools and technologies to do that and then share it with as many people as we can. And I'll discuss some of those tools right now. So a uh, fundamental ocean exploration tool, especially for the deep sea, is ships. So this is a ship I work for called NOAA ship Okeanos Explorer. Okeanos is just a Greek word for ocean and it, our mission is to go explore the deep ocean. Um, so this is what the ship looks like. And it's America's ship for ocean exploration. So it's the only federally funded ship in the United States whose sole mission is to go and explore the ocean. There's a lot of other ships that do other really important science, um, but ours is really just to go out and explore. Um, the other, another main tool that we use is mapping sonars. There's an image here on the left that shows you what um, a multi-beam sonar is basically doing. So it's a, um, it's an instrument mounted on the bottom of the ship that sends out sound waves. Um, I'm sure you've heard of sonar before. 
And that sound bounces off the seafloor and comes back to the ship and we measure those signals and the time it takes to get them back. And you can basically build really um, complex maps of the seafloor using this technology. We also have different types of sonars, including some that can see um, layers underneath the seabed. So the image on the right is showing you uh, basically the seafloor surface, and then you can see layers underneath that that are reflecting sound a little bit differently. And that tells us about the geology of the area that the ship is um, exploring over. So why do we map from ships? Um, basically, we can gather some measurements about the seafloor and the shape of it from satellites. Um, and that's a really interesting science in its own right. Um, but what you get is kind of a map on the top here. This is kind of looking at it in three-dimensional space. Um, and you can kind of see the shape of the seafloor and where the big hills are and bumps are. But you can see the same image that we've overlaid with um, a survey we did mapping from the ship. And so this is the kind of insights you gain in the bottom image. You can see this is a really fascinating um, sort of canyon system. Um, and you can see all the kind of nooks and crannies and, and really get a much better sense of the habitat that that's going to provide for um, lots of different marine creatures. Um, so that's, that's why we go out and map from ships. And then using this detailed information about the seafloor, we can choose um, selected areas of interest to go and dive with uh, remotely operated vehicles, which I'll talk about now. So remotely operated vehicles are, are basically just remote controlled robots, um, very sophisticated, but uh, yeah, they're controlled by pilots that are sitting on board our ship. So there's no human on board um, these two vehicles. The, the larger one on the right there is called Deep Discoverer or D2. And the one next to it is called Sirios. And they basically dive together off the back of the ship and they're lowered down on that big steel cable you see. And inside that cable is uh, the power for the vehicles for lights and cameras and sampling, control all the um, sampling equipment. And then uh, they're sending back uh, many video streams so we can see what's um, in the water column and on the seafloor as we're diving with these vehicles. Um, so this is just what they kind of look like on the back of the ship there on the bottom right. Uh, and the, the larger one, D2, is, is big. It's about the size of like a car, like an SUV. Um, and you can lift that up with a crane, which you see in the top left, drop it overboard, and then it's diving up to 6,000 meters, which is like 10 or 11,000 feet deep um, into the deep, dark uh, sea and has many, many lights on it to light things up. And this is where we control these from. So uh, this is what the image of the control room on the ship looks like. Lots of screens. The big ones up front are showing you the cameras that are on the front of the vehicle so we can see what they're seeing. Um, almost immediately. And then uh, the other thing we're doing is broadcasting that uh, to the internet so anyone else can see what we're seeing with just a couple seconds delay, no matter where we are on Earth. Um, so in the front row there, you see some pilots and the navigator, and in the back row are some scientists um, interpreting what we're seeing um, and helping to narrate that dive and tell, tell the public what we're seeing. So the way we share this information with the public is something called telepresence. Tele means, um, basically far away and presence is you're, you're experiencing something. So it's a way to basically share the experience of ocean exploration with people that can't be with us on board. And the way we're doing that is really through satellite and internet technology. So um, this is something that wouldn't have been possible um, not too many years ago. Uh, so what you have in this image is our, our deep diving remotely operated vehicles. You can see them diving underwater. There's a cable up to the ship so we can get that video signal and see what they're seeing. 
And then that is actually sent to a satellite and, and then that's beamed to shore and that's converted into a um, video that you can see on the internet. Um, and then you can, you can be anywhere with a, a computer connection and you can join us and see what we're seeing. So it's, a, it's an amazing way to take along classrooms, anyone that's interested in ocean science, um, you, can do, you can follow along and join us on these expeditions. So I encourage you to do that. And if you go to oceanexplorer.com, or sorry, .gov, you'll, you'll find our, all of our information. So now uh, I think words speak better than just me talking to you. So I want to show you some really cool highlight videos of what you can see on the deep sea when you use these remotely operated vehicles. And these videos are on our website and they do come with um, a lot of great sound and, and um, narration from some of the scientists. So I encourage you to explore on your own. Um, I'm just going to play a few kind of highlight videos here for you. And we'll start with this one. Good morning from the Okeanos Explorer. Seafoods are on their way down. Visiting the geology science fleet. Um, you came out of position. Are you ready to take that ship? I am ready. Okay. I'm ready. Okay, we are in auto position and we're passing the throw back to the bridge now. Copy. Can you hear the audio okay? So these are all different careers that you can pursue in STEM if you're interested in this kind of work. It's not just biology, it's all of these things. So that's one thing I really wanted to emphasize is um, a lot of people think, oh, marine science, that's, um, you have to be a marine biologist. Well, that is one thing you can do, but there's many, many ways to get involved with this type of work, um, which was what we just walked through. And now I'm going to show you um, a nice video talking about how important exploring the water column is. Between the surface of the ocean and the seafloor lies the largest habitat on Earth, the water column. This vast open space includes 95 to 99% of the total livable volume on Earth. It is home to a menagerie of animals that captivate the imagination. These things are just awesome. This is the kind of deep sea biology that really got me hooked on oceanography as a kid. The Twilight Zone. A region of the water column where the last bits of sunlight give way to total darkness. Home to many such organisms. Oh, oh. Wow. Every night, many of the animals that live here take part in the largest migration on the planet. Swimming from the depths of the ocean to the surface to feed before descending once again. 
this migration, these animals move organic matter from the ocean's surface waters to greater depths, where it eventually falls to the sea floor. Providing a vital food resource in an environment where meals are scarce. Despite its importance to all life in the ocean, water column is one of the least explored habitats on the planet. Using innovative exploration tools, the NOAA Office of Ocean Exploration and Research is closing the gap in understanding this mysterious world and its inhabitants. All right. Uh, okay, now I want to highlight some of the interesting creatures that we often run into with a couple highlight videos. And some of these um, are extremely hard to get video of. Um, this next video is a, it's actually a, a separate group that we funded to go uh, search for giant squid around the world. That was their mission. And they actually developed this uh, really interesting light system that looks like the prey of the giant squid. So let's see what, how they lured this in to, to capture video of it. You can see this, this uh, lure kind of at the bottom of the video there. It's, it's got this light ring. Many creatures in the deep sea make their own light, um, and it's actually attracting the giant squid, which is a predator, and actually eats things that look like this. So this is, I think, the first time they ever captured live footage of a giant squid. Really super rare. Um, that's the credit for that one. And this next one is a discovery that was made off our ship. Beautiful image here. Different than the two we got on video last year. That animal is not in the hurl guide. The mortal words of Taylor Smith. I have never, like, ever seen that one. <laughs> Excellent. I know somebody is going to be really interested in this image. This octopus is now confusing several of our uh, shore-based scientists who have never seen anything like this. We have scientists calling in from around the world uh, and watching the video, and they did not have had never seen this species before. So it was um, a really major discovery, which is exciting. Uh, we also get the chance to see things that you would never see if you were just like dropping a fishing net in the water. You can see animal behavior. You can see how things are reproducing in the ocean. Um, so here's an example of that. Dr. Sowers? Yep. Uh, so sorry to interrupt, but there's a question in the chat. And I don't know if you saw it. I did not. Can you see the chat? It says, do you encounter sharks also? Uh, we do encounter sharks, yes. In fact, I think the next video will show you some sharks. <laughs> but yes, we see them a lot when we put the vehicles in the water in the sort of sunlight zone. And then we also see deep sea sharks, which are, are rarely seen. Um, and so yes, we run into sharks quite frequently. Um, and they tend, to, they tend to not be afraid of us, but they also don't, don't tend to hang out by the vehicles too often. They kind of check us out and then keep moving.
So our cameras can zoom in really tightly on, on what's going on down there, get good imagery. We do not scuba dive off our ship. I did see that question. Um, not, not normally, because we're going really deep. Um, well below the depth that scuba divers could survive. Something that's really rare to see, as he said. And then I'd like to share this this one with you was was a fun one. Wow, yeah, that's great right there. Oh, what do they have there? This is a swordfish that actually sunk to the seafloor. It's being eaten by lots of other things. What are they eating? A swordfish? This is so rare to be able to see something like this. Uh, the, the furthest depth of the ocean is the, the ocean trenches, which are um, carbon from the surface or quite a bit deeper than we can go. And the deepest place is the Marianas Trench, um, which some of the people I work with have mapped. Oh, the deepest explored so was really there's actually a little bit in the Marianas Trench that has been explored. In action, which I don't think we've ever seen this before. Um, I definitely have not. I don't think those are cookie cutter sharks. Yeah, we're getting uh, close to the end of our dive. But I'm not sure what species they are. These animals in their natural they were cookie, I thought they were cookie cutter sharks pretty because they were twisting the, their mouths. So. Okay, you might be right. I don't actually know the answer to that question. Um, so after all that action, then this big grouper, which is a, another large fish, came, come, comes by. He's right off the edge of the ROV. Yeah, I got them. Yeah, that's well, okay. I got them. Wow. The, 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 the great 
So a lot of people used to think that deep sea didn't have a lot of life in it, and what we found is the opposite. Pretty much everywhere we go, we find a lot of scenes like this where things are definitely growing and they're living off all the particles that filter down through the water. Uh, the other thing I want to emphasize is we're not just interested in biology, we're interested in uh, geology as well, and there's a lot of interesting um, geolo geological action happening underwater. This is an underwater eruption. You guys seem to know a lot about this topic. It's really cool. So this was actually not not off of my ship, but a different one that our office helped um, fund their expedition to go find out what was out there. So really cool underwater eruption. And then uh, the other thing I want to emphasize is we also look for um, things like shipwrecks, um, airplanes, so human. Um, wreckage in the in the ocean is, is really important for us to understand parts of our history that have been lost in the sea. We'll show a quick clip on that. Looking for a bomber from World War II. We are broadcasting to you live today from the NOAA ship Oceanus Explorer. So uh, 10 in and Saipan uh, served as major air bases during the final year of World War II, and there would be 29 bombers flying long-range missions at that time. Many aircraft were lost on takeoff and landing due to mechanical problems. Lost aircraft has great significance to American history, but none of the B-29s that crashed in, the, in this area have ever been uh, discovered and explored. So this dive that we're doing today would provide the first information on aircraft or aircraft wreckage resting in the deep water of the channel. And that's like what we're saying here, the B-29. So we're looking at the last wave here, that's the airplane upside down. I'm going to stop there. Looks like we're at time. If you want to see more of these amazing videos, please go to our website. Just type in, in Google, just type Ocean Explorer, and it'll take you right to our website with lots of really cool um, imagery and footage and show you where we're, our ship is right now. We're actually out. Um, in the North Atlantic, beginning um, some series out to the middle of the North Atlantic Ocean. So with that, Sarah, I guess we'll turn it over to you and um, ask the audience for any questions they might have. Thank you so much. So if you guys have any questions, just 
I see Maya, your hand is raised, so we can just start off with you. So go ahead. Have you ever found like any like sunken ships in the like like anywhere you explore that's like deep? Uh, anywhere we go, is that your question? Do we find sunken ships? Yeah. Um, we we can. There's a there's thousands and thousands of shipwrecks all over the ocean, and you um, the position of where they are. Like some of them are known, and but most of them are not. So you could kind of come across them at any point. So we do look for them, and when we those maps that I was showing you that we make of the seafloor, we have ways to look for what we think might be shipwrecks, and then we can send the remotely operated vehicle down to see if it is a shipwreck or not. Sometimes we thought we found a shipwreck and it turned out to be like a pile of rocks or a rocky reef. Um, and then one time we just went down with the vehicle to do a test dive, it was just testing the equipment. And we landed right on top of a, um, like right next to uh, basically what looks like, a, it was like an old wooden ship that had um, just happened to have been shipwrecked there, which is extremely rare. Like the odds of that is like winning the lottery. But there's tons of shipwrecks out there still waiting to be discovered. And Everett and Simon, you can go ahead and ask. Uh, have you ever met Bob Ballard? I have, yeah. Uh, we've been in different meetings together, and he is basically the one that kind of invented the telepresence um, way of doing things that I was talking about and that our ship now uses. Um, so, uh, his ship, the Nautilus, is sort of like a sister ship to us, so we um, are constantly um, seeing what the other ship is learning and exploring, and we um, share with each other um, our plans for the year, and we share with our, um, our, like, if we find a better way to do something, we find new technology that we want to use, um, we're always kind of talking to each other about um, what the different, the two different ships are doing, as well as there's other ships, too, that are, are, are beginning to do this now. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's definitely been a big champion and uh, pioneer for ocean exploration. I read his autobiography. Oh, very cool. Nice. Yeah, he's always inspiring. Has amazing uh, talks. Anytime you can catch a talk, I would encourage you to do so. It's really interesting. Uh, yeah, Bob Bell is a famous oceanographer, probably the most famous one ever. Um, and his, his, uh, he's most known for being the first um, the person with leading the team that was the first to discover the Titanic. Uh, uh, but he has many other discoveries. He's also helped discover um, hydrothermal vents, which are um, sort of all these hot water uh, places where hot water is coming out of the seafloor, and they support very unique um, biological communities that are really fascinating. I think I saw Everett and Simon's hand next, and then after that, Maya. Sorry, I forgot to put my hand down. Okay, so Maya, go ahead. Aren't there like caves that, like underwater, that kind of bring like stuff like 